The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Are you seeking more energy and ready to have more healings and revealings in your life? Then you've tuned into the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, Senior Minister of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is intentional and dynamic. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome, everyone. I'm Temple Hayes, and thank you so much for participating in our show today, The Intentional Spirit, How We Can See and Be in a Greater and More Dynamic Way. One of my favorite topics that I love to look at uh, with any organization or congregation is how we create all of these resolutions and commitment to change in our lives, and yet somewhere by mid-February, we've already forgotten the list or we have not fulfilled some of those ideas that at one time were so important to us. We're so fortunate today to have featured as our guest, Dr. Joe Dispenza. He is a very well-known international best-selling author, and he is featuring his book along with his ideas, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. Welcome, Joe. It's such a pleasure to have you on our show. Thank you, Reverend Temple. I'm happy to be with you. Well, you have been doing so much research and study and through your life experiences that you have a lot to offer us on why is it that we we make certain lists of things that we want to do and we get all fired up in the new year, we're going to lose the pounds, we're going to exercise or let go of a habit. What happens to us that, you know, midway we've already forgotten what we planned? Well, this is the, uh, the topic of the book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, and I think the greatest habit we have to break mm-hmm. is the habit of being ourselves, because by the time we're 35 years old, we become a set of memorized behaviors, emotional reactions, beliefs, perceptions, and attitudes that run like automatic subconscious programs. So 95% of who we are is a set of memorized behaviors that run like an automatic computer program. So a person is using 5% of their conscious mind to work against 95% of what they've memorized. Now, here's an example. All of us at a certain point in our life couldn't consciously remember a phone number. But we walk over to the receiver, we pick up the handle, and we look down at the keypad, and we're able to dial the number. We couldn't consciously remember it, but our body practiced it so many times that it knew better than our brain. That's who we are by the time we're uh, 35, whether we choose to suffer, whether we choose to be unhappy, whether we talk about people behind their back, whether we live by the addiction of of, uh, anger or aggression. These become automatic programs in which the body has become the mind. And habit is when your body is the mind. So then a person is going to think positively with their 5% of their conscious mind, but they've memorized negativity for the last 30 years. They're going to, you know, pray for their, you know, new life, but they're going to feel guilty. That's mind and body in opposition. So then we have to recondition the body to a new mind. So crossing the river of change, going from the old self to the new self, there's a void, there's a gap. And the hardest part about change is not making the same choices you did the day before. 
Because if you think the same way as you did the day before, the same thoughts will lead to the same choices. The same choices will lead to the same behaviors. The same behaviors will create the same experiences. And the same experiences then will produce the same emotions. And those emotions then will influence the same thoughts. And we'll call that a personality. And your personality creates your personal reality. And your personality is made up of how you think, how you act, and how you feel. So the present personality who's listening to this show has created their present personal reality called their life, which means then if you want to create a new personal reality, a new life, then on a fundamental level, you have to begin to examine the thoughts that you've been thinking and decide if you want to continue to put your energy and attention behind them and choose new thoughts. You've got to begin to plan and execute new behaviors. And when you're able to then begin to demonstrate the thoughts that you're thinking, when you get your actions equal to your thoughts, now you get your body involved and you have a new experience, and then what emotions do you want to live by? I think most people try to create a new personal reality as the same personality, and it doesn't work. We literally have to become somebody else. And the biological model of reality, according to the new research and in brain function, neuroplasticity, that we're not hardwired to be a certain way for the rest of our lives, or we're not doomed by our genes, according to the research in epigenetics. We're marvels of adaptability. And every time we think differently, learn something new, make a new choice, execute a new behavior, have a new experience, our brain physically changes, and that physical change is reflected by a new experience in the environment. Well, I can tell you that I've been following you for a number of years, and I find you to be one of the clearest, uh, articulate uh, teachers or authors or experts in this field, uh, that it just makes perfect sense. Um, For those of you uh, out there that are new to Dr. Joe's work, Joe, would you please um, let us know, let them know how you came into this line of work in the first place? Was it a defining moment or something that's always been of interest to you? Well, I think it's both. I think from a very early age, I was always inquisitive about human potential. And uh, I started reading books in my uh, late teens on uh, yogis and the mystical and was, was very in, interested in the power of the subconscious mind. And, and, uh, but I was a philosopher. I was a theologian. I was, uh, you know, uh, someone who really was just studying it from an intellectual standpoint. And and um, I got run over by a truck in a triathlon in my, my early 20s uh, in California. And uh, I think in order to wake up, you need a wake-up call. And that was my wake-up call. I wound up breaking six vertebrae in my spine, and I had bone fragments on the cord and spinal cord. And prognosis was that I would never walk again, and I needed this radical surgery. And, and um, this was the defining moment for me because... After four opinions from four of the leading surgeons in Southern California, the prognosis was uh, the surgery and maybe you'll be able to walk again. Well, I don't know, something in me just couldn't accept and agree with that idea. I I believe that the power that made the body heals the body, and it happens no other way. And I think I was a young kid that was innocent enough to really say, okay, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing anything. My life just came to a complete stop. And up there is this intelligence, this spiritual consciousness that's giving me life, that's keeping my heart beating and digesting my food and organizing trillions of functions and cells every second. And maybe I have enough time to finally connect with it and give it a, a plan or give it an order or give it a, 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 a template to follow. And I just made two decisions. The first decision was I wasn't going to let any thought slip by my awareness that I didn't want to experience And the second one was that I was going to take time every day to begin to go inward and connect with this unseen force and really build a model of what I wanted my spine to look like. And if I wandered from my uh, focus or my attention wandered to something else, I would stop and start all over again. And uh, I didn't realize how unfocused my mind really was, and I didn't really understand what I was doing. But after a certain point, it got easier, and I started to notice what I was doing inside of me was producing some result out of, outside of me. 
And the moment I made that correlation, I was very clear that I should keep doing what I was doing. And so I made a decision with myself in those lonely nights where I couldn't sleep because I wasn't really physically doing anything. But if I was ever able to change myself and walk again, I would spend the rest of my life studying this concept. So I was back on my feet in 10 weeks. I was back training at 12 weeks. I was back seeing patients in my office. And, uh, but I couldn't return to the same life. I wasn't the same person any longer because I never wore the body brace that they designed for me or used any of the physical therapy modalities. I just got better very quickly. And uh, so then I started studying spontaneous remissions, traveled to 17 different countries and studied why people all of a sudden got better with serious clinical conditions. Wrote my first book, Evolve Your Brain, The Science of Changing Your Mind. That led to the movie, What the Belief Do We Know? That opened up the door in the United States for people to really reframe reality. And then the next most important question people ask me, well, great dinner conversation, but how do you do it? How do you create your reality? How do you change, transform who you are? And is it really possible? And so we started teaching workshops around the world in really taking this information and applying it to your life. And I think it's a time in history where it's not enough to know. It's a time in history to know how. And science, I think, has become the contemporary language of mysticism, that science allows us on a very deep level to demystify the mystical. And the moment you start talking about religion or culture or tradition, you start dividing your audience. And so we've used the model over the last several years of quantum physics and neuroscience and neurobiology and epigenetics to really give people permission to try it out in their life. And the beauty behind all of this is that no one's excluded from the equation, that we all are divine creators and that when we begin to look at our biology and we begin to look at the nature of reality the way it really is, all of a sudden we can begin to breach upon the miraculous. We can begin to look at things that could happen to us outside of convention and and that was what happened for me. I mean, I thought, gosh darn it, if I studied people with spontaneous remissions and they got better and I know the things that are in common, we should be able to reproduce this. And in the last two years, uh, in the workshops that we've taught around the world, we've seen people heal from cancer, from diabetes, from MS, from lupus, from Hashimoto syndrome, celiac disease, chronic pain, depression, just by changing their internal state of being. So we now know that it's possible, and we've been spending the last several months quantifying and explaining it from a neuroscientific basis. That's absolutely, it's, it's amazing, and it's even more incredible how your early life experiences actually shaped you to position you to do this kind of work that you've offered, you know, so, so many people. When it comes to the habit, like let's say smoking, for example, or over drinking or those kind of habits that um, they're, they're maybe not as tangible as some of the other diseases that people have, but they keep us from being present in our bodies. How can, what is a process or an insight that you can give towards that change and it being permanent? Well, this is a great question. I mean, uh, and I'll give the relatively short answer to it. And, you know, uh, let's just say that a habit is, you know, a redundant, unconscious, automatic behavior, thought, or emotion that's really developed or, or acquired through frequent repetition. You've got to keep doing something over and over again to cause the brain to become hardwired and the body to become emotionally conditioned. So when your brain begins to become hardwired and your body is emotionally conditioned, then we could say that your present state of being, the old self, is a very familiar state of being. Now, the moment you begin to step outside of who you are, in other words, you're not going to make the same choices as you did the day before, you start feeling differently. You start feeling uncomfortable. It doesn't feel familiar anymore because you're feeling differently than you used to feel. Now, this is where most people make the same choice that produces the same behavior, that creates the same experience, that produces the same emotion that they're addicted to, and then they say, oh, this feels better. Well, it feels familiar to them because now they're all of a sudden back to familiar territory. When we step out into the unknown, we have to understand that that is the fertile ground of creation. 
And the best way to predict your future in this particular unknown place is to create from a place of unknown. So if people begin to look at my personality is made up of how I think, how I act, and how I feel. And they began to say, okay, what thoughts have I been thinking in my life? Let me pay attention to those unconscious thoughts that are hardwired in my brain, and let me become conscious of them. Let me look at my behaviors and habits that keep reaffirming the same identity and decide if I want to continue behaving in that way. Let me look at the emotions that I've memorized and become so addicted to, and let me see if those emotions are just a record of the past. Do I want to live in the past every single day? Because I can't create a new future living in the emotions of the past. And the body, as the unconscious mind, does not know the difference between an experience in your life that creates an emotion, an emotion that you can create or fabricate by thought alone. To the body, it's the same. So people who memorize emotions that are connected to their past, their body literally is living in the past. And this is where change becomes difficult. So the fact that we can think about how we're thinking and begin to pay attention to who we're being means we could modify our states to do a better job in life. And that concept in neuroscience is called metacognition. It's to become conscious of the unconscious self. It's to light a match in a dark place. And most people don't want to do this because they have to really take a look at who they've been. This is the first process of change, is becoming aware. Now, if you said to yourself, now that I know who I've been, what are the values and the qualities of who I'd like to be? And as you begin to speculate and contemplate a new way of being, you're making your brain fire in new sequences and new patterns and new combinations. And whenever you make your brain work differently, you're changing your mind because mind is the brain in action. Mind is the brain at work. So as you can remind yourself of who you no longer want to be every day and remind yourself of who you do want to be, nerve cells that fire together wire together. You begin to install the neurological circuits in your brain so that your brain is primed to begin to look like that experience of you has already happened. And if you can say to yourself, I am not getting up from this meditation or this prayer or whatever until I feel like this person, now this is where greatness is born. Because the privilege of being a human being is we can make thought more real than anything else. And the moment the thought in your mind becomes the experience, and that experience in your mind produces an elevated emotion called love or joy or gratitude or inspiration, your body is the unconscious mind is now living in that future reality in the present moment, and you're literally signaling new genes in new ways. And now you're getting up from your meditation in a new state of being. And a new state of being is when mind and body are working together, when thoughts and feelings are aligned. Thoughts are the language of the brain, and feelings are the language of the body. And how you think and how you feel creates a state of being. Now, here's the key. You have to be able to maintain that modified state of mind and body the entire day. You have to be greater than your body and its addictions. You have to be greater than the conditions in your environment, and you have to transcend time. Because the longer you linger in that new state of being, the more now you are no longer victim to the circumstances in your life. And if you can sustain that change of being, get ready, because something unusual is going to happen in your life. That's the law because the quantum field responds to who you're being, not just what you think, not just what you feel, but the combination of how you think and feel, a new state of being. Wow, that is just, oh, it's amazing. The wisdom, it just pours right out of you. Uh, we're listening today to Dr. Joe Dispenza, well-known author, featured in What the Bleep. Um, you can access him by going to drjoedispenza.com, D-I-S-P-E-N-Z-A.com. We'll be right back after this short break. Thank you, everyone, for your continuing involvement and support of Unity Online Radio, the voice of the awakening world. We'll be right back. We'd like to take a moment to encourage you, as part of our Unity Online radio family of listeners, to support this ministry through a love offering. 
For your convenience, you can make one-time or recurring monthly donations. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for your support. Jenny is looking for an adventure. I love new cities. The culture, the architecture, the food. Joy prefers a little R&R. Just give me a book and cozy chair along the ocean. And maybe a massage or spa treatment. Both are spiritually minded. The cave temples in Sri Lanka sound amazing. What a life-changing experience. Studying Eastern spirituality, going right to the source. It's the journey of a lifetime. Both Jenny and Joy will find exactly what they're seeking on Spirit of the East, a 14-day voyage from Singapore to Mumbai. And so will you. Join us April 17th to May 1st, 2013. Spirit of the East, a perfect blend of relaxation and adventure. Explore more at unity.org slash spiritoftheeast. Have you ever considered that everything you think and say is a prayer to the universe? Are you sending a positive or negative message? Join Reverend Beverly Molander and her guests on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, to find out how they activated the power of yes in their lives, their communities, or the world. If they can do it, you can too. Listen to Beverly Molander and her guests live every Monday at noon Central, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for listening to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, with Reverend Temple Hayes. If you have a question or comment about today's discussion, you can email us at theintentionalspirit at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here is your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome, everyone. As you know, we're talking today with featured international acclaimed author, Dr. Joe Dispenza. We're talking about ideas of change. Uh, we're featuring concepts from his book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. And, Joe, I love the fact that you said that breaking the habit of your being yourself actually means no longer being yourself. And that's so, so clearly but profoundly stated, isn't it, in how to make those changes. One of the things that uh, we talk a lot about now is people that are into being overly busy and, and being stressed and, you know, that kind of energy. Um, in your uh, professional opinion, uh, talk to us about the short-term and long-term uh, essence of stress and from that perspective, what are some simple things or some meditation techniques that we can do to lessen that impact that it's having on our physical well-being? Well, this is, uh, this is the, the nature of our culture right now, Temple. I mean, uh, 75 to 90 percent of every person that walks into a health care facility in the Western world walks in there because of a stress-related disorder. And the demands that um, multitasking is placing on us with technology to do things faster in a shorter amount of time, to get more done, to be able to text and drive and speak on the phone and check your email and, you know, the thousands of things that we have to do immediately, that type of shortened attention span really creates quite an imbalance in the brain and body. And so this is... uh, an interesting topic because stress is when your body's knocked out of balance. Stress is when your body's knocked out of homeostasis or knocked out of order. The stress response is what the body innately does to return itself back to balance. Now, we have three types of stress. You have physical stress like injuries or accidents, falls, trauma. You have chemical stress like viruses and bacteria, allergies, uh, blood sugar levels, uh, hormones and foods, uh, hangovers, 
then you have uh, emotional stress, everything from traffic jams to Internet connections to second mortgaging to single parenting to family tragedies. And each one of these, the body is knocked out of balance. Now, all organisms in nature are designed for short-term stress. The zebra gets chased by the lion. Fifteen minutes later, it goes back to grazing, and the, and the, and the organism returns back to balance. And, and all organisms can take this emergency mode, and when there's an emergency or a threat in the external environment, we turn on a very primitive nervous system called the fight-or-flight nervous system, or what's called the sympathetic nervous system. And the sympathetic nervous system mobilizes enormous amounts of energy so the body can survive in its external environment. Now, human beings, we have those same primitive um, mechanisms, but we're so unique because we can turn on the stress response just by thought alone. You can begin to think about some future worst-case scenario. You can begin to expect something to happen in your day. You can begin to anticipate some circumstances in your life, and you can focus on that thought to the exclusion of everything else until your body as the unconscious mind physiologically changes to begin to live in that future reality in the present moment, and we just knocked our body out of balance just by thought alone. We can unfold the past bitter memory that's tattooed in the recesses of our gray matter, and like magic, it comes to life, and in that moment, it's real. And if we can attend to that thought to the exclusion of everything else, we produce the same chemistry in the brain and body as if the event was happening. And the body then begins to live chemically in that past experience, and it doesn't know the difference. So most people are spending the majority of their time anticipating some future moment based on the past, and the body in its struggle to be in the present moment is literally being knocked out of balance just by thought alone. Now, when the hormones of stress are circulating through our bloodstream and we are altered by this rush of chemistry, that rush of chemistry gives the body a certain amount of energy. And that energy is like a triple cappuccino. That adrenaline that's created wakes the brain and body up short term. And most people become addicted to this rush of chemistry, that rush of adrenaline, and they begin to associate the problems and the conditions in their life with their emotional addiction so they can reaffirm their personality to remember who they think they are. In other words, the bad relationship or the bad or the poor job circumstances, they can't give that up because they need that circumstance to reaffirm their addiction to victimization or to anger or hatred or judgment. And so now this becomes a very critical moment when it becomes time to change because it's a scientific fact that the chemicals of stress push the genetic buttons and create disease, that, that the long-term effects of the stress hormones dysregulate and downregulate genes and create disease. Well, we just said that we can turn on the stress response just by thought alone, which means that we can, get, we can make ourselves sick just by thought alone. In other words, our thoughts can make us sick. So then if our thoughts can make us sick, can our thoughts make us well? And if those hormones of stress are very addictive, then most people become addicted to their own thoughts. And when it, be, when it comes time to change, the body, which has become so accustomed to the rush of chemistry, now has become the mind of that addiction. In the midst of change, the person's going to crave the same emotions to reaffirm their identity, and this is why change is so hard. So the hormones of stress create the emotions of anger, of aggression, of fear, of anxiety, of insecurity, of unworthiness, of guilt, of shame, of suffering, of depression. Those are what we call normal human states of consciousness, but those are altered states of consciousness because when those chemicals are running, the chemicals endorse the ego and we become very selfish, self-involved, self-centered, self-indulgent, self-aggrandizing, self-serving. It's all about the self. And we define the self as a materialist, a materialist would. We believe that we're a body in the environment living in time. In other words, those chemicals of stress, when they're kicking in and the, and the cocktail is running through the bloodstream. Just like the zebra being chased by the lion, 
she's only concerned about her body. She puts all of her attention on her body. She puts all of her attention on her environment. Where am I going to run and, uh, out there, and how much time do I have to get there? It becomes a function of the body, the environment, and time. And when you and I are living by the hormones of stress, we believe that we're a body in the environment and time. We're obsessed about the way we look, our wardrobe. We were obsessed about our face. We're obsessed about the problems and the conditions in our life. We're over-focused on time. And when we do that now, we believe that the outer world is more real than the inner world, and we are believing, as a materialist would, that reality is defined by our senses. Now, this is a tragedy for all of us because... This is the moment where we can't break from the external world to go inward because the, the chemicals are so addictive. And this is when, when we're running by these chemicals, there's always a gap between the way things appear and the way things really are. In other words, we are altered in our perception. We are viewing reality through the lens of the past. Now, going inward and beginning to make contact with the divine I call that the creative state. It's the exact opposite of endorsing those hormones of survival. That when you and I are in a creative state, the number one thing that happens is we forget about ourselves. We go, we go from being selfish to being selfless. We lay down the ego and we become nobody, no thing, no time, no place, nowhere, no one. And we have all the neurological and biological machinery to do this. And when we do, the hindbrain that's normally creating all those hormones shuts down and the forebrain begins to take over, the frontal lobe. That's the crowning achievement of the human being. And the frontal lobe naturally begins to look out over the landscape of the entire brain and begins to, like a great symphony leader, silence the circuits in your brain that have to do with movement and you become still. It cools off the circuits where you feel your body and you don't feel your body because there is no body. There's no mind to process body. It cools off the circuits where you process time and space, and there is no time and space, and it quiets down the circuits that have to do with your external environment and the problems and the people you have in your life, your kids, your family. There's no mind to keep you connected to the external environment, and that's the moment you walk through the door to the quantum field. You can't enter the quantum field as a somebody. You have to enter as a nobody. And being able to then get beyond your body, get beyond the conditions in your environment, and to transcend time means you have to become pure consciousness. And when you are that pure level of consciousness, now you have dominion over your body. You can heal it. You have uh, ability to change some condition in your environment and you have the natural propensity to create a new line of time. And this is the difference between trying to force the outcome, trying to control the outcome. That's when you're living by the hormones of stress and you are using your ego because you feel separate from possibilities. You as the quantum observer are focusing on the particle instead of the wave of possibilities. And if the atom is 99.99999% energy or possibility, and we're still focusing on the particle, we're missing out on potentials. But when you and I create a new vision or a new idea, that exists as a potential in the quantum field. And you take your attention off the material feedback through your senses in your external environment. Now you as the quantum observer are focusing on a new possibility and you are taking your attention off the particle, off matter, and putting it on the wave or energy. And that begins to reorganize patterns of information into some new experience. And then our senses should be the last to experience what our mind has created. And this, then, is when, in the state of creation, you're no longer thinking and feeling as the old self because your identity is gone. That energy that normally is endorsing those hormonal centers of your sexual identity and your pain and your digestion and your control over your life, there's no longer any hormonal feedback there. That energy literally moves into your chest and you begin to fall in love with your creation. And in that moment, you open your heart and you trust in the outcome. You don't even know how it's going to happen or when it's going to happen, but it's not your job. You just feel lifted. So the hardest part of all of this the hardest part of all of this is making the time to do it. That's it. 
And when we make time to do it, we're always amazed at our ability. And Joe, when you when you say make time, um, do you feel there's any rhyme or reason to doing it consistently the same time each day? People also, they'll say, um, does it need to be, I think a lot of times in people's mind, they think they need a block of an hour before they can even get into this kind of um, relaxing place. Is there any particular teaching around that that you have or offer? Sure. Um, we can talk extensively about that. Uh, there's two times the door to the subconscious mind opens up, when you wake up in the morning and when you go to bed at night, because your brain waves, you know, your brain wave patterns on electroencephalographic readings, your brain waves when you are believing your outer world is more real than your inner world is in beta. When you close your eyes and you eliminate stimulation from your external environment, your brain waves go into alpha. And if your body begins to fall asleep and your mind is awake, you're in theta. And if you go into restorative sleep, you're in delta. So conscious mind then is pretty much beta wave patterns. And so when your brain chemistry starts to change at night because it's getting dark and you're no longer making serotonin, your brain begins to make the nighttime neurotransmitter melatonin, your brain waves naturally change as a result of it. When you wake up in the morning, you're going from delta to theta to alpha to beta. So the purpose of meditation is to get beyond the analytical mind and enter into the operating system where we can make true change. So I like to wake up very early in the morning because I spend the rest of my day serving. And I like to wake up just when my brain chemistry is still in that dreamy state. And I like uh, to uh, begin my meditation early in the morning. And I allow quite a bit of time for myself. I like to take over an hour and really get find my my center and sometimes I do it in you know 45 minutes and I'm I'm there and other times it takes me way more longer than that but the key is is that you're willing to uh, get beyond the body the environment and time and so uh, I don't have any particular attachment to whether you do it in the morning or the evening but the research supports that early in the morning you're making some really healthy neurotransmitters that really are healthy for you to not have to work as hard. And in the evening, usually your body's so tired that it won't even resist any longer, and you can slip in, in into an altered state. So I prefer the morning and the evening, and, and uh, we've seen some great results of the, you know, in, in people for, uh, when people follow that step, those steps. That's... Um really helpful and i i loved it earlier when i heard you say that you know we're we're so much now a culture that we know so much i i continue to say often uh, it's not our growing you know because we have more information available to us than we ever had and yet we're still continuing to do some of the same repetitive things that we've always been doing. So I really appreciate the way that you're offering some experiential and some concepts and some just simple tools for everyday living that people can really make these changes, moving from the intelligent awareness to actually changing the habits in everyday life, which offer then that greater sense of spirituality. I'm Temple Hayes, and you're listening today to Dr. Joe Dispenza. You can go to his website and learn more about his speaking events and his books and all the things that he has to offer on drjoedispenza.com. If you would like to know more about us, you can go to unitycampus.org. You can also participate with our live stream and our teaching and our spiritual classes. We're going to be right back after this break and we'll have another window of time of hearing more knowledge from Dr. Joe. We'll be right back in just a few moments. Hello, listeners. Did you know we've gone mobile? That's right. Your favorite Unity online radio programs are available on your mobile device. Now you can take us with you wherever you go. Using apps from Live 365 or Stitcher, you can listen to Unity Online Radio live or on demand. To learn more, visit Unity Online Radio and click on Mobile Listening.
How is life working for you? Would it be okay with you if life got easier, simpler, yet more meaningful and vibrant? Join certified life coach Carla McClellan Tuesday afternoons for Vibrant Living. Each week, Coach Carla and her guests will share strategies and solutions designed to make your life more vibrant. Is there something in your life you'd like help with? A dream you'd like to achieve? A relationship you'd like to improve? Call into the show toll-free for Coaching with Carla. That's Vibrant Living, Life Coaching with Carla, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Central on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What if we're all meant to do what we secretly dream? We now return to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And thank you, everyone. And I would urge you, just like I plan to do throughout the week, is to go back and actually listen to this show. There's so much wealth of information and some how-tos to to really make a difference uh, in your everyday life and to support you in getting back to that list that you made in the beginning of the year of things that you said mattered in your life. Just remember that when you're driven to things that matter in your life, it's important that you give the time and attention as the intentional spirit to bring them forth into being. And our guest today, Dr. Joe Dispenza, is offering us such significant ways in which that is not only a possibility, but can become reality. Uh, Joe, from a quantum model, what is spirit? How would you define spirit? Well, it you know, quantum physics, first of all, tells us that your subjective mind does have an effect on the objective world. That when an observer in quantum physics looks for an electron, the moment the observer puts its subjective mind, you or I, on that external event, we cause waves of information to collapse into a particle, and that's called a quantum event or collapsing the wave function. Now, the moment you take your mind off it, it returns back into energy, which means then that mind and matter are somehow commingled, that they're not separate. Actually, mind gives life to matter, and matter has a mind. So now, if you accept this paradigm, then the nucleus of an atom has a field of energy around it, and that the majority of the atom, more than 99% of it, is made up of energy. But when we're functioning as materialists, we're keeping our attention only on matter. But that invisible field that gives life to all of matter is what we call consciousness. Now think about this. It's kind of ironic that consciousness is this nasty 13-letter word in science, but if you think about the intelligence that's keeping your heart beating and digesting your food, you know, you... you, um, you have a heart that beats over, you know, 100,000 times in one day through 60,000 miles of blood vessels, and you pump over 200 gallons of blood per hour uh, in that heart of yours, and you make, you know, over 10 million cells every second in your body. And you, uh, in one cell of your body, it goes through an order of 100,000 chemical reactions per second. Men make 1,000 to a million sperm cells every minute. This is, a, this is something that's giving us life. And when you begin to realize that we have a subjective consciousness, that's our free-willed souls, you and I, that have a personality, and this personality, this, this subjective consciousness, is connected somehow to an objective field of information, an objective consciousness, that that intelligence that's keeping your heart beating and digesting your food is that objective consciousness. And that same intelligence that's organizing all those functions and giving you life 
is the same invisible intelligence that's keeping the planets rotating around the sun, creating supernovas in distant galaxies, causing a lily to bloom, that it's both personal and universal. It's both within us and all around us, and it exists beyond space and time. In other words, it exists in a dimension that's greater than our senses. So then this invisible intelligence then is a consciousness, and consciousness is awareness, and awareness is paying attention and noticing. So then if you sat down out of your busy day and you said, listen, divine creator, the observer that's observing all of this into life, I'm going to emulate you today as the creator, and I'm going to create my life. And if by chance, in my process of acting like you, you observe me observing something that's in my future that's new or unknown, I need a sign to let me know that you're real. But listen, don't bring it in a way that I can expect, because if you can bring it in a way that I can expect, it's nothing new, it's more of the same. Bring it in a way that I would never anticipate, that I could never expect, that rocks my world that leaves no doubt that what I did inside of me produced some result outside of me so that it inspires me to create again. Now, what you're doing is you're breaking from the old paradigm of religion that you talk to God and knock on its door and God is mad at you or you're guilty and, you know, God's up there with a laptop keeping track of all your sins. But this intelligence can't judge. It's not in its consciousness. It's a loving intelligence and it's intelligent love. That's all it is and it is a frequency that transcends matter. So then when you begin to have the synchronicities and the wonderful events starting to show up in your life, be it small or large, you're going to pay attention to what you did that day, and you're going to do more of the same. So the old model of reality, according to Newtonian physics, is something like this. You wait for your wealth to show up to give thanks. You wait for your new lover uh, to show up in your life so that you can feel joy or love. You know, we, we wait for certain circumstances to happen, and then we'll be appreciative and, and, and thankful. That's the old model of reality of cause and effect. Something outside of you changes how you feel inside of you, and the moment you feel differently inside of you, you pay attention to whoever or whatever caused that, and that event in and of itself is called, called a memory. But the quantum model of reality is saying that you have to give thanks ahead of the actual experience. And you have to have a very clear intention married with an elevated emotion. And we know according to the research, a clear intention and an elevated emotion begins to change matter. Now, when you can move into a new state of being and you can give thanks ahead of the experience, the emotional signature of gratitude means the event has already happened or the event is happening to you in that present moment. And your body as the unconscious mind begins to believe that the healing or the future event is happening to you in the present moment. You're literally signaling new genes and new ways and you're changing your state of being. And we could say from a quantum perspective that the brain and body will look like the event has happened because it has already happened. There's physical evidence. Now, when you get to this level of no longer living by cause and effect, but by causing an effect, you begin to experience true empowerment. You begin to experience this level of humility and greatness in the same moment. And you begin to look back at your past and you would never want to change anything in your past because it brought you to the present moment and it was all worth it. Now, that's what I call the natural state of being. Now, these elevated emotions of inspiration and joy and compassion and freedom, those are the normal human states of consciousness. Those, moment, those emotions of stress are the altered states of consciousness. So then creation then in the process by asking for a two-way communication with this invisible intelligence now means that you're merging your mind with its mind. Your, your will is matching its will. Your mind is matching its mind. Your love for life is matching its love for life. And when your will matches its will, when your mind matches its mind, and when your love for life matches its love for life and for you, it always answers the call, which means you can't create from the same self. You have to lay down the very thing that you used your whole life to get what you want for something greater to take over. And that process requires the application over and over again until it becomes a skill. 
Wow. <laughs> oh, I just, I almost go into another state, you know, just listening to the way everything just, it's so natural with you. I mean, sometimes do you just, are you like amazed at, um, through the years, what you've accumulated as far as your teaching model is just really um, profound, Joe. I'm just so grateful I, I, for everything that, that you're doing and, um, and offering to humanity. And I want to urge people to go on your website because you have a number of products, books, um, and workshops across the globe that people can be mindful of and perhaps attend depending on a, their location in the U.S. as well as other parts of the world. When we talk a lot, um, I think a good thing for us to, to make a finished note on is, is we talk a lot about the ancient idea. It's done unto you as you, as you believe. Where would you, with uh, three minutes of time, um, Joe, how would you define and, and put an understanding around a belief and how that impacts us as our, as our humanity? Sure. Uh, very quickly, a belief is just the thought you keep thinking over and over again, over and over again, until it becomes hardwired in your brain. And a belief has a feeling or an emotional component to it because it's usually connected to past experiences, and feelings and emotions are the end product of past experiences. So the way you think and the way you feel creates a state of being. And if you take a series of thoughts that are connected to feelings and you string them together, that's called an attitude. You have a series of good thoughts that are connected to good feelings. You say, I have a good attitude today. Feelings, feel, uh, series of negative thoughts that are connected to negative attitude. You say, I have a, uh, feelings, you say, I have a pretty negative attitude today. When you string attitudes together, an attitude, an attitude, an attitude, that's called a belief. And so the very boundaries of, of our belief are emotions and feelings that we become addicted to. So then in order to change a belief or a perception about yourself in your life, you have to make a decision with such firm intention that the amplitude of that decision carries an energy that's greater than the hardwired program in the brain and the emotional addiction in the body. And that belief becomes an experience that you never forget, and it begins to rewrite the program in a matter of seconds. Here's an example. A person who's in the deep south who moves into a state of religious ecstasy and who can drink strychnine and have no biological effects, we could say that their decision in the belief of they're in, they're, they're in a state of reverence or protected by the spirit, the energy of that decision is greater than their biology. In other words, they're greater than their environment, they're greater than their body, and they're greater than time in that moment, and the body gets an energetic signature, and that energetic signature transcends matter. It transcends the body. It transcends poison, it transcends time, and we could say that they're in a state of energy or consciousness that is greater than matter, and they're lifting their body up to a new frequency. That kind of choice, when we make a choice like that, and the body responds to a new mind, is when we begin to write, rewrite those subconscious programs. Well, I would encourage everyone after listening to the show once again to revisit some of those habits and things that you really desire to change in your life and, and make a commitment and just call the beginning of this time of year going into Easter and the rejuvenation of your spirit to pursue letting go of some things in your life that no longer serve you. I'm fortunate today to have as our guest Dr. Joe Dispenza author of the current book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. And he has many other products and books on his website, drjoedispenza.com. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And, Joe, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Temple, for everything you do. Thank you. Many blessings to you. Thank you for tuning in to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part 
by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehaze.org. Oprah Winfrey says that Eric Butterworth's book, Discover the Power Within You, changed her perspective on life and religion. Maya Angelou quotes Emily Cady's Lessons in Truth as she recalls her own spiritual awakening. What do these books have in common? They are Unity Classics. Join Rev. Laura Beth Gilbreth, Minister of Unity Transformation, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Hooked on Classics, exploring Unity's classic books. Each month, you'll be able to follow along and contribute your thoughts, questions, and ideas as we examine a different classic Unity book. From Charles and Myrtle Fillmore to Eric Butterworth, Emily Cady, and beyond, experience the foundational teachings of Unity. Hooked on Classics, exploring Unity's classic books. Thursdays on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. happen around you, things may happen to you, but the only things that really count are the things that happen in you. This meditative moment from Rev. Eric Butterworth is brought to you by Unity. Reverend Paulette's mantra is, it's all a prayer. Tune in every Tuesday as Unity Minister Paulette Pipe leads you in meditation and prayer on touching the stillness. Make no mistake, this is not nap time. With an energy that will captivate you, touching the stillness will guide you in deep meditation, leaving you enlivened. Hear astounding meditations and learn more about different forms of meditation. Enrich your prayer life as Reverend Paulette, Senior Minister of Touching the Stillness Ministries, affirmatively prays with power and authority by taking live prayer requests from callers like you. Whether you have a prayer request for yourself or for a loved one or are ready for a deepened meditation experience, make sure you tune in on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Central Time, where we'll be joining in consciousness with the unceasing prayer activity of the Silent Unity 24-7 Prayer Ministry at Unity Village. That's Touching the Stillness with Rev. Paulette Pipe every Tuesday right here on Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Letting go in the Are you ready to take a quantum leap into greater self-acceptance and love and freedom from suffering by connecting all your parts, especially those you deem broken? If so, join Mark Anthony Lord, founder and spiritual director of the Bodhi Spiritual Center in Chicago, every Monday at 1 p.m. Central, as he helps you understand there's nothing wrong with you. You are perfect just the way you are. This show is for you, so you can know you're not alone, and that you really matter, and that miracles are right here within you and all around you. From this knowing, anything and everything becomes possible. Each week, Mark will be joined by amazing guests who share their journeys of awakening. Listen live on Mondays at 1 p.m. Central, or download the podcast at your convenience, or subscribe via iTunes to Nothing Broken Here with Mark Anthony Lord, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What is it you really want in life, no matter what you've been through? You can still achieve it. 
I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts. 